What if you were told you could never do your favorite activity again? What would this do to you? Would you have something else to fill the void or would it wreck you? Stephanie Corder faced this fact 10 years ago while fighting a chronic disease that left her bedridden. She spent seven years in bed using a wheelchair, walker, leg braces, and canes trying to fight this painful condition she was experiencing. But what made the difference? How did she go from bedridden to a successful business owner? What were the trials she faced throughout her journey and how did she overcome each one? Her story is inspiring and I know you're going to take something away from it. So let's step into the fire with Stephanie. Welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I'm your host, Gabe Cox, and through this podcast, I'm on a mission to help you step into the fire of refinement so God can mold and transform you into a woman ready to step into your calling and crush your goals his way. I do this by helping you overcome your mental barriers through a faith-based approach of building inner strength and resilience. Each episode, I will bring you thought process, productivity tips, and inspirational stories from everyday people, all so you can live intentionally and move forward confidently with the gifts God has given you. As a running enthusiast, I believe that life is one massive marathon and it's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. Step into the fire with me because I know you will come out stronger. Hey, Stephanie, thanks so much for joining me on Red Hot Mindset. I'm so excited to dive into your story today. Hey, thanks for having me. I absolutely love listening to you. So it's an honor to be able to be here. Uh, Well, it's been so fun to get to connect with you and get to know you a little bit better. Um, But for my audience, I would love for you, if you could just share a little bit about your family or something to, to tell us who you are as we get started. Yeah, well, I'm a mom. Um, I have three children. I have a 19-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a 14-year-old, two boys and a girl, and I homeschool two of my children. I'm a mompreneur, so I own a full-time marketing coaching company, Um, and you know, like all of us moms, we always have our hands dipped in a million different things because that's the season of life. (laughs) Oh, yes, we do, don't we? And we want our (laughs) hands. I feel like we want our hands dipped into everything. I'm like, what are we doing here? Anyway. Yes. I, your story was so inspiring and that's why I wanted to bring you on today. But 10 years ago, you found yourself fighting a chronic disease that left you bedridden and not just for a couple of days, not for weeks, but for years. So can you take us back on that journey with you? What happened? And, um, and, and I want to know what did doctors say about what your future would hold? Yeah. You know, um, 10 years ago, I was, a I mean, people would say Steph lays it all in the field and everything she does. That was physical, mental, like I was a hyper energizer bunny persona. I uh, served with an international ministry. I had, I had uh, been in ministry full time. I uh, was a, you know, doing Boy Scouts with my oldest, Cub Scouts with my middle, Girl Scouts with my baby, a homeroom mom with two kids, uh, led in 4-H. Uh, we had our house on the garden tour. We were in aqua, had aquaponics and rabbits and chickens and changed everything to edible. I mean, it was a very hyper persona. We hiked, we camped, super full life, loved our life. Um, And then just one day I'm walking across the living room floor and I felt like I had these hot rods sticking up my feet. And I was like, whoa, something's not okay. You know, did I get stung by something? Did something happen? Uh, But it just progressed. And I got to where I couldn't walk around. And the community of which we're in, many of the parents that were in the Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, I had physicians and nurses and 
medical people. And thank goodness they knew I wasn't crazy. Um, as I would describe, like what was happening to me, what was happening in my body. And so they wanted to help. And so they began to refer me to all these different doctors and, you know, baroneurological, all these different places. And, and nobody really had an answer. They were like, well, maybe it's this. Well, maybe it's that. And so we would try modalities. And as we would try them, I would get worse and worse. I mean, we were friends with our podiatrist. We knew him personally, a neighbor. Um, and he was like, just so perplexed. And eventually um, he ended up saying, Steph, you know, here we had tried Chinese medicine and Western medicine and kinesiology and chiropractic and all these different things. And he said, Steph, maybe it's just simply plantar fasciitis. Let's do the surgery. And, um, you know, you're desperate because I couldn't walk. Couldn't, I mean, I couldn't walk around. I couldn't garden. I couldn't do anything. Um, and so went in and had surgery and the condition just exploded. And I came home crying, calling him on the phone saying, Dennis, something is really wrong. But again, he had zero idea what was happening. Like, like here he was, he just stuck. Steph, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know what to do with you. And eventually um, through, you know, different friends of ours researching all these different things, I found a diagnosis and found a doctor, a pain doctor who could support me that knew a little bit about it. And I had developed this disease that was called a suicide disease, only second to terminal cancer and level of pain. And I remember sitting in his office um, and he had done different tests to verify that that was what it was. And he, he said to me, he said, Stephanie, I need you to come to terms with what has happened. You will never hike again. I'm gonna cry. You will never hike again, much less walk around a building without crying. And I remember like, yeah, you just turn into a two-year-old. I just started bawling like this little kid, you know, and everything in me was just screaming out like, no, no, no. And he, and I look at him and, and he's got tears in his eyes and he said, Steph, I'm just as frustrated as you are. There is no cure. People like you, you get worse. It spreads throughout the body. I need you to accept it so that then you can come to terms with peace with it. And thank God. I'm not wired that way. <laughs> <laughs> and my husband's not wired that way. And, um, you know, we basically over time, I mean, I just progressively got worse and worse to where I, I lived the majority of my life in my bed. Um, I was on some of the hardest medications you could think of, 17 drugs a day. And um, yeah, I cried a lot. And I, uh, pleaded a lot before the Lord asking, you know, for healing. And my husband, he never let me stop trying. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody would say like, pour apple cider vinegar on her, I don't care what they'd say, we would do it. I mean, I bought more oils and poured them on myself and you could shake a stick at. I can't say they did anything. I, I do think oils are valuable. Don't misunderstand. But in that case, I just smelled really pretty. Nothing was making these enormous impacts on me. Um, and you would think as a born again believer, you would just never give up, right? That you'd be like, oh, it's going to come. Um, but that's just not reality. And so there were times that I lost all hope. Hmm. I, I didn't think, I, didn't, I thought that I... You begin when you're sick to see yourself as a burden on those that you love. And we had spent about $200,000 trying to get me better. And I was no better. 
And so it was um, incredibly, you know, defeating. And um, I remember one day, and I hate to even say this, but I remember one day I had just, I made my mind up and I was like, it'd just be better off if I wasn't here. And everybody had left and I went in the garage and I don't know anything about killing myself. So I sit in my Land Rover the, with the car going and the garage door closed. And I'm like, okay, God, this is it. <laughs> and it didn't happen. I didn't go to sleep. Nothing changed. And so I got mad and I was furious. Like, I can't even do this right. And I climb, I literally had to climb out of the car, crawl into the house, get in my bed. And my husband shows up. And I said, what are you doing home? And I was already just furious. What are you doing home? And he said, honey, I don't know, but I just felt like God told me to get here as fast as possible that we needed to have a serious conversation. Oh, wow. And, and, uh, and so I, I thought, oh, that's it. He's going to divorce me. That's it. And I said, it's okay, honey. You know, it's okay. And he said, no, listen, we made a commitment in sickness and in health. And I said, yeah, I know, but you can, you can be released from that. I'll go home to my mother, you know, I'll let you have your peace. It's okay. And he said, honey, no, 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 no. You can't leave me. Wow. And it was just a God moment, right? Like, I mean, it was just a God moment. And so I had to, you know, tell him like what had happened and, um, and ask for his forgiveness. And, and it changed the dynamic. Something like that changed the dynamic from where we may have been fighting a suicide disease, but that wasn't where we were going to go. You know, we had hope in one another and that God was going to manage this thing, no matter what it was going to look like. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. I love how God uses simple things. Like I love how he told, he told your husband, come home and he listened to the nudge, you know, the little things that we hear and do we actually act on them and what of difference they could make. And um, going through this struggle, I just can't imagine um, because you even, you have kids at the time, you have, you're living your mom life, you're living, you know, everything. And you've probably going from having control of everything and being all in on all things to not being able to do anything really. Um, what were some of the mindset blocks that you had to deal with in that time? Oh, well, just, you know, worthlessness right? Like that, that was a big one. Was it worth, was I worth, you know, anything and what value did I bring? And, um, thank goodness I found a really good counselor. And, um, in one of the sessions, he said to me, Stephanie, when did you stop seeing God as a mystery? And, and immediately in the moment, I was like, my God's not a mystery. I know all about my God. My God loves me. I know my Jesus. But then it, he said, don't answer this. Just go home and sit on it. And that was wise. Cause I thought, yeah, there's just a whole lot we don't know and we're just okay with it. Yeah, so true, so true. And that is, I mean, uh, the feelings of worthlessness can come in all different forms. Um, yours came in pain and, um, and, and that point of feeling like you wanna give up because I know so many want to just give up, especially in the times that we're living and all the things. What, what gave you that hope? in the time. When did that click? Was it when you and your husband had that conversation where you really felt a spark of hope or when was it? Well, it was not long after that. I was just reading my Bible one day and I came across Isaiah 46, four and in Isaiah 46, four, he says, you know, even in your gray hairs, I am he. And he tells us in that scripture that he will rescue us. He will carry us. He will sustain us. And so 
you know, I did what every mom does. I typed it on a piece of paper, printed it and stuck it on my wall. <laughs> you know, like, I need to see this. <laughs> and, and I put it on my closet, which was on the right hand side of my bed. So I would lay in bed on my right side and that would be my image. That was what I saw. And, um, you know, and, and I had a true sense of God and his love for us. And I believed if I believed in him, I could believe in his word. If I could believe in his word, I could believe in the promise. And if I could believe in the promise, then I knew it was for me. Now, that's not to say over the years, I looked at that, that I didn't scream it. Daddy, now, you know, and just furious and crying and weeping. Please give me this. Like, that's your promise to me. Give me my promise. But that scripture was an anchor. I could believe in it. It, it was direct from God. I could believe in it. And, you know, even today, I mean, here I am, um, you know, like I said, they, they said I'd never improve. And through a dynamic of trying different things, we found something that did change the game that was completely out of the wheelhouse of all the doctors and friends and people we have. I mean, they never even, it's science. It's in the National Institute of Health, but none of them even knew about it. And so after we got to that point and I began to improve, you know, you still go through life stuff. And I still have that scripture on my wall because I know today, like if it's a junky day, I can turn to that scripture and go, okay, you're going to rescue me. You're going to sustain me. You're going to carry me. You are the one doing it. And I just need to take action. Yeah. So good. So good. And I know now looking at you, we would know, we wouldn't know that you went through what you did, you know, 10 years ago, but it was seven years Mm -hmm. of pain and uh, being bedridden and different things and walking with, you know, with the canes and being in wheelchairs. And um, I remember you said that when you hit remission, you still were struggling just different ways. What was going through your mind at that point? You know, when you've had something that severe, it creates um, twofold. One, it creates almost like a traumatic brain injury and severe PTSD. You know, yeah hard to believe I'm better, right? Like you kind of have a real struggle. And so I would do stupid things like stub my toe and just start bawling and my, my heart would race and I'd start sweating and freaking out that it was going to turn into something again, like, oh, I messed up my body, you know, <laughs> or whatever, or I'd trip or, you know, whatever the case might be, clip your toenails a little too small. Um, and I, I would have these just full on panic attacks. And that was really, really hard. Um, because it creates this thing in you that you don't want to leave the house. You don't want to be around people. You just want to bubble because in the bubble, you don't hurt. So let me just stay in the bubble. And, um, you know, again, I've got this just rock star husband. And he said, you know, honey, I want you to, what are some things that you could do? And I was like, well, I still do Girl Scouts, you know, <laughs> twice a month. And I still do some things. And, and, uh, and so he said, you know, why don't you drive Uber? And I was like, what? Are you kidding? I can't. For seven years, I couldn't be in a car more than 20 minutes without it flaring my body and debilitating me for days, weeks on end where I wouldn't even be able to get out of the bed without help to go to the bathroom. So I was like, you've lost it. And uh, he said, well, what do you got to lose? You know, like do one ride. Let's just see how it goes. And so I did one ride. And then I remember like the first one I got that was 45 minutes away. 
I called John and I was just crying. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm going to have to just cancel the comedy ride. And he said, honey, I'll just, I'll sit on the phone with you. They'll never know I'm here. So I had my headphones in and the person in the backseat, they didn't know there were tears dripping off of my chin. I was crying the whole way. Um, but then it was, am I going to be able to get back, you know, and come back? And it sounds crazy, but being at this, app, you know, conditioning versus my own and forcing me to be in situations like that was so healing because I developed a track record. And since I was able to do that, well, then let me try, you know, I I had begun at about um, six months of recovery. I took my first hike in the woods. Now, come on, it wasn't a hike you know, but I laced up my leather solo hiking boots and took my braces off and took a walk in the woods and cried. It was awesome. And over time, I began to just continue a little bit more, just a little bit more. You know, I didn't go try to climb South Mountain. Like I just do a little bit more and gradually got to where I could do these amazing hikes, you know, like Telegraph Pass and Camelback Mountain and things that um, a normal person would stress. And I was super fortunate. Um, my kids would go and I had girlfriends that would go with me because I was kind of weird about going by myself. And I didn't know, like, am I going to get there and not be able to down? And um, I would, I would turn to them because, you know, your muscles hurt, but I didn't have a cognitive understanding of what was normal and what was my pain. And so my girlfriends, I have this one friend, she's a, a nurse practitioner. And so as soon as we would get done with stuff, she'd go, Hey, Hey, my thighs are burning. Are yours? oh yes so thank you for telling me it's normal (laughs) (laughs) but you know you you need people in your life to tell you where they're at and what's going on and those simple little things like saying hey my thighs are burning was connected me to okay I'm normal oh okay this is what it feels like to live in my body again and not live in me and and big deal. Yeah, that makes sense. And you do, you need a tribe, you need a community to, to know you're not alone. Right. And we try and struggle on our own and we try and hold it in and keep it all together, especially as moms. But we have to realize that, um, we shouldn't do that. You know, we need to have that connection. We need to have that community. And now looking back, um, from where you were starting the Uber driving and starting to hike and when the do- you defied the odds, the doctors said, you're never going to hike again. Like that would be like telling me I'm never going to run again or yeah. hike. I love hiking too. <laughs> I think we connect on that level too. And it's, and it's, what do you do in that moment? And is, is that going to wreck you or are you going to um, let it change you really? And now you run a successful online business as well. Could you have imagined that pre-struggle? Do you think that would have ever happened? No. And, you know, it was interesting. Like we talk about like what the doctor said, like, I remember even when I came into the doctor the first time without a wheelchair and said, Hey, look at me, I'm getting better. And he said, now Steph, 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 let's see if you can dance in three months. You know, it was a joke. Um, And, you know, had all these different people that were saying stuff like, yeah, okay, don't, don't get connected to getting better because it's just against the odds, you know? They wanted to protect me. Um, But I learned in those moments, other people's opinions are none of my business. I could not let what they feared could happen to me control what I was going to do for today. 
I had to believe in myself and my own capability. Um, and no, you know, I never, I've got a long history in sales and advertising, uh, but the idea of even having a schedule or being awake for eight hours a day at that point in my life, it just wasn't an option. And I, I look at so many people because I talk to people in the communities, right, of the conditions and struggles that, you know, we never develop one disease. It always layers. And I still talk to people in there and they'll say to me, they'll go, you know, well, I've learned to live with it. Mm-hmm. No, do not learn to live with it. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing I want to say to people is no, yuck. we don't live to learn with yuck. God didn't die on that cross for us to be sick and poor. He just didn't. And it's so hard for us to break out of what other people put on us compared to what the father is telling us that we can do. Mm. And it's just a game changer when we step into that, like possibility, you know, if it doesn't scare you a little bit, it's probably not worth doing. And so we have to be willing to be scared a little bit, you know, step out and begin to do it. In 2019, when I started my coaching, I had no idea if I was going to be able to do it um, or what that was going to even look like, but God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So cool. And it's so true. Like just what you're talking about, take our eyes off of other people, not, uh, not in a serving way, but stop looking in what other people are saying and look at what God says. Mm -hmm. What are his truths? What are his promises? Look to him to know who you are. Don't look to other people. Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm those blinders on and go whatever God says that's where you go and that's where you're led and I feel like he took you on this journey not a wanted journey I don't think it was God given but it sure was God used and um I would love to hear I know we there's so much I mean there you probably learned so many life lessons you probably learned a lifetime of lessons in yeah. this. Um, I think about I broke my ankle a few years back and the things you're talking about are things I experienced on a very different level, right? Because it's that, that was like sure. recovery, not years of pain, but um, I learned a lot of things along the way. But what was the biggest lesson that you think you took away from going from struggle to victory? You know, um, well, you know, we're moms. So let me, let me stay with that, that vein, but motherhood, the guilt just keeps on giving, you know, it doesn't stop giving. Every mom feels it. And, and I would feel so um, sad, you know, I wasn't able to take my kids to this or I, I couldn't go to my kids' performances at school a lot of times because the sound would cause pain. Um, you know, my, one of my kids was in a, a shooting club. Yeah, that was never going to happen, you know. <laughs> I watched from the car one time. Um, but, you know, there was this sense of incredible guilt, like you're just not giving enough. You just can't do enough. You're not, you know, just kept staying there. But after time and looking back at the lens now, I realized I gave them exactly what they needed. I loved them. They curled up in the bed. They would come home from school and come in my room and crawl in bed with me and tell me about their day. And we would do their homework. We lived in my bed. Like my bed was our living. And, you know, my kids turned into these incredibly empathetic, independent individuals. I mean, my middle son learned to cook at nine years old. He got tired of having to wait for dad to get home. So he learned to whip the chicken out, season it, put it in the oven and, you know, do the basics. And I think so many times as parents, we have this 
perspective of what our life for our family is supposed to look like. And whether it be disease, divorce, financial destruction, what have you. And we begin to just like, it comes apart and we're like, oh, it's so terrible. But we don't know how God's going to use that for the betterment of our family. I do not wish I could go through it again. Oh no. You know, if I could avoid that sucker, I would have. But at the same time, I learned to slow down and be mindful in the moment of things where I had always been in a hurry, you know, always get stuff done. I was a go-getter type A personality, get it done, get it done, get it done. You got to be a part of this and this and this. And now I know, have you ever heard the spoon theory? Have you ever heard that before? Oh my gosh, it's great. So it's gal, Christine, I can't think of her last name. I think it's on M right now. Uh, it's, but you don't look sick.com. So she had lupus and her friend and her go to lunch one day. And her friend says, um, what's it like having lupus? And she's like, oh my gosh, you've known me my whole life, girl. You know what it's like. And she's like, no, 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 no. For you, what's it like? And so she gets up, she goes around the restaurant and she grabs all the spoons off of all the tables. She has like 12, 15 spoons, I can't remember. And she goes, okay. Now for every activity that you're gonna do today, if it zaps your energy, have to take a spoon. Like some things don't mess with you, but, but many things do. So I want you to go through your day and I'm gonna give you a spoon for every spoon you use. You can't take any from you, keep any from yesterday and you can't borrow any from tomorrow. It's all today. So her friend said, okay, I, I got up. And she goes, oh, not just one spoon. Wait, 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 wait. Did you sleep last night? Did the alarm go off? How did that affect you? Okay, so take a spoon. Okay, so I took a shower. Okay, did you wash your hair? Did you shave your legs? And, and she goes through these processes that to a normal, healthy individual, we don't even think about. But when you're chronically ill, we call those spoons. Count your spoons. Because you only get so many. You get only so many. And so you got to make them count. And she talked about when she came home at the end of the day, you know, she only had a couple spoons left and she needed to make dinner and help the kids their homework and get the kids to bed. And what would you do with the things that you could no longer carry spoons for and why it was important to look at those. It's a great understanding, I think for the chronically ill to appreciate what they really go through. And for those that are healthy to know what the life of a chronically ill individual is like, um, but counting your spoons. I mean, even today, you know, here I am um, in remission, living a very full normal life, but I know how to count my spoons because we really only have so much of us. Mm -hmm. And so we want to give the most of what that is, those spoons to the things that matter the most in our lives. Mm, I love that. That is so true. And I went on a, a similar journey of simplifying and having to let go and learn that I don't have, have to have control over everything and <laughs> I don't have to have everything. And so I, that's a huge lesson. What a cool analogy to just how many, what are your spoons? What, yeah. What's most important and, and start there and really focus in on those. Oh man, this has been amazing. Stephanie, thank you so much for being willing to share your story. Now, if any of my listeners want to connect with you, where's the best place for them to find you? Well, I've kind of taken on the tagline warrior mompreneur. And so you can find me um, on Facebook as Stephanie, uh, you know, there's a lot of Stephanie quarters. So I have Stephanie Alexander quarter, my maiden names included. Um, and on Instagram, it's warrior mompreneur. And I have a private Facebook group called warrior mompreneur. And uh, the heart for that is just to help women who 
either they have had a chronic situation they've been dealing with or someone they love is going through it and they need to be or desire to be a mompreneur to manage all of those pieces um, because it is a different life. You, you're a warrior. And so learning to war that in a peaceful way is powerful. So any of those venues is a great way to reach out to me. I love it. Warrior empreneur. That's great. Um, I can see the warrior in you and I know that you inspire so many to be warriors. So um, thank you so much, Stephanie. I look forward to next week when we have her back on and we are going to be talking about goals, but maybe in a special way that you haven't heard before. So make sure to come tune in. I love it. I'll see you then. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Before we go, though, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. This will make sure you have access to all future episodes so you don't miss any of them. If you resonated with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify, as reviews are an important part of growing this podcast. If you have any friends or family who you think would enjoy this podcast, be sure to take a screenshot and share it with them. And if you're not a part of the free Mindful Mamas online community, consider joining us. It's a community built to provide support, mindset, and encouragement as you develop your gifting, live intentionally, and go after your biggest goals, God's way. Head on over to www.redhotmindset.com to check out the show notes and find the link to join the community. I hope you step into the fire with me each and every episode because I know you will come out stronger. That's all for now. Talk with you real soon. Bye, winner.